Welcome to Grace Abounds. I'm Pastor Jen Shaw, and this month we're doing something a bit different. I'll be answering the questions you send in. Questions about the Christian faith, the church, the Bible, anything you may have always wondered about but never asked. Email your questions to pastor at stjohnslutheran.church. I look forward to hearing from you, and I hope these words build you up in faith, hope, and love. Regarding when the congregation recites the words listed on the screen, the Apostles' Creed, specifically, I believe in the saints in the Holy Catholic Church. How do these words fall into the Lutheran beliefs, and how would I go about learning more? That's an excellent question. I actually do get that question a lot, and, and really around those things, and specifically how, how Lutheran is it when we talk about the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints and all of that. So a couple things that's in the third article of the Creed that we do recite every week. I believe in the Holy Spirit, and that's all we say about the Holy Spirit in the Creed, which we'll talk about the Spirit in that was an, another question later. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. So just one clarification on that. You'll notice when we do it, it's a lowercase c for Catholic. So what we're saying is, we're not saying we believe in the Roman Catholic historical church, which we are, not, I mean, we're a part of the larger Christian church, but we're not a Roman Catholic church. But that's not saying the Roman Catholic church as historically understood. That would be a big C. That's the Catholic Church, our Catholic brothers and sisters who worship down the street. Lowercase c, Catholic, that word means universal. So when we say Catholic Church in the Apostles' Creed, what we're saying is we confess that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. We are part of a church. We are part of the body of Christ. We are followers of Jesus that includes all the saints from the very beginning, from those early disciples all over the world, all over time. We, we are part of this wonderful fellowship of saints, past, present, and future, worship, worship God, follow Jesus, filled with the Spirit. So, so lowercase c, it, that matters, that makes the difference. So we're saying we are part of this universal church, this bigger than ourselves. And the same kind of when we talk about the communion of saints. Saints are really important in the Catholic Church. I had someone ask me, since we're named St. John's, if we were a Catholic Church, right? Because we're St. John's. Um, and while we do have a different understanding a little bit of maybe the role that saints play, I had a Catholic friend explain it to me this way. While some Catholic folks might kind of understand it like they're praying to the saints, the actual Catholic understanding is, you know how you might ask a friend to pray for you? You're not praying to your friend. You're just saying, hey, pray for me. Well, we believe the saints are still around, right? They're still present in the presence of the Lord. So, hey, pray for me. It's kind of going to a saint and saying, hey, pray for me, the way we'd go to a friend and say, hey, can you pray for me? We don't pray to them. We ask them to pray for us, which I think is a really lovely way to understand that. Now, if you ask Catholic brothers and sisters, they might give you a different answer, but that's sort of my understanding. And one other thing about saints I know we often think about saints as the dearly departed, those who have gone home to the Lord, or extraordinary people like St. John or St. Francis or, you know, St. Mother Teresa or, you know, these amazing people, and, and they are, and, 
and God bless them for their example of faith. But if we go to 1 Corinthians 13, here's one example of, that word saint really means holy ones, people who follow Jesus. We're all saints, especially in Lutheran theology, right? We're all saints and sinners. We are all sanctified. So, so here's an example of what Paul writes in his first letter to the Corinthians. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sonathus to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified, saints, in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostles' Creed confesses that we are part of something so much larger than ourselves, and that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So that is my answer to that question. Uh, really, it's talking about we're something bigger than ourselves, lowercase c, Catholic. This is a related question to that. What does signing the cross over your chest mean? And again, for the person who asked this question, I've been asked this question as well by other folks. It always, I've always seen it as a reference to the Catholic religion, and certainly it is, but even then not entirely sure when and why. So I kind of joke sometimes that crossing yourself doesn't make you Catholic, necessarily, and raising your hands in worship doesn't make you Pentecostal, necessarily. <laughs> and I think those two things are related, right? So obviously the cross is the symbol of our faith because as Luther would say in the theology of the cross, the cross is where God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, God with us and for us, God embodied most fully revealed God's self. If we want to know who God is, if we want to know how much God loves us, if we want to know that we are saved and we are held and God is with us forever, it's, it's the cross, right? It's, it's the cross. That cross is that sign, that symbol, that embodiedness of God's love for us. So we embody that. We remember that when we make the sign of the cross. We're, we're saying, I am saved. I am identified with the crucified. I've been baptized with Christ. And, and so it's, it's that embodiedness that is so beautiful. So we make the sign of the cross to remember Christ's sacrifice for us in a really physical way. I, some years ago, I had a real kind of wrestling about whether or not to wear a cross in my daily life, which I generally do, because it's not jewelry, right? Some people will say, well, it was this horrible instrument of torture, and, and that's true. But I, but I wear the cross because I realize it's not jewelry, but it reminds me who I am, and more importantly, whose I am. So this cross reminds me that I belong to Jesus now and forever. And making the sign of the cross does the same. And, and honestly, I, I would love for us to be, uh, again, grew up Pentecostal, very embodied, I, I think we sort of, I've heard the phrase from my Presbyterian friends, the frozen chosen. <laughs> um, I, you know, we have our, our Pentecostal charismatic friends who move a lot, and we have our Greek Orthodox and Roman Catholic friends who've got what we call the smells and bells. Um, I think we could learn from them. I think there's something beautiful about, like, physical engagement, because we're, we're physical beings, right? Um, so anyway, that's why we make the sign of the cross in some so one more question. I've, I've mentioned uh, 
you know, a Pentecostal background in the spirit quite a bit. So here's, here's a question that I love. A question that has come up for me often is the whole, involves the Holy Spirit. The advocate is mentioned several times in the Gospels and other places as the divine person, I would say who, communicates with, comforts, and empowers many people, including Jesus. That's absolutely true. Jesus said, the Spirit is the Lord of upon me. Uh, the Gospels say that the Spirit uh, descended like a dove at the baptism of Jesus, the launch of his public ministry. The Spirit is throughout Scripture. We Christians seem to talk about God the Father and Jesus quite often, but why don't we acknowledge, talk about, and recognize the work of the Holy Spirit as frequently and deeply? Excellent question. <laughs> uh, convicting for me, because I do feel I could certainly teach on and, and talk about the Spirit more than we do. In our Lutheran tradition, we do tend to be very Christocentric, focused on Jesus, and rightly so. But I think this speaks to, we're not the only ones to kind of do this. I mentioned before the ancient Apostles' Creed says, God the Father, the Creator, so we get this sense of who God the Father is. Jesus, a lot about Jesus. He, he lived, he suffered, he died, he rose again, he's coming again. And then this one little, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And then we move on. <laughs> The Nicene Creed actually corrects that a little bit. It was developed a little later, and it was this... The early church was kind of wrestling with, right, the Trinity. Like, we believe God is a Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God, all God. The Spirit is just as much God as God the Father and Jesus. But, but how? It's, it's hard to... So in the Apostles' Creed, we see them wrestling with, how is it that Jesus is fully human and fully divine? And then the Nicene Creed's the same thing. How is it that the Holy Spirit is... God, one God, three persons. And so in the Nicene Creed, they refer to the Holy Spirit as the Lord, the giver of life, worshiped and glorified, who spoke through the prophets. We can pray to the Holy Spirit. We can worship the Holy Spirit. I, I was reading a survey recently that said a, a lot of people in our context, including Christians, think of the Holy Spirit as a force, an impersonal force, but not a person. Frankly, that is not correct theology. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We should say who when we talk about the Holy Spirit. And yes, throughout Scripture, uh, I'll read this passage. There's, there, the Holy Spirit is called the advocate. That, that is paraclete in Greek. It means one who comes alongside. We kind of talk about an advocate that way today, right? Someone who fights for you, a, a defense attorney who argues your case. That's the spirit, right? The spirit is God with us. So in John 14, 25 through 27, Jesus is talking to the disciples on the night he's betrayed. He's preparing them for, in some ways, the time after he has ascended and he is no longer with them in the way he was with them before. But I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the advocate... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. So there is, of course, this association with the Holy Spirit bringing us peace the dove of peace, the Holy Spirit bringing us comfort, the Holy Spirit. First John talks about the Holy Spirit reassuring us that we are the beloved children of God. So we absolutely should talk about the Holy Spirit more and remember that the Holy Spirit is God and that is 
we can pray. It's the Holy Spirit. As I said, worship, glorified, the giver of life. But I will say, I think maybe the reason it's a little more challenging is because God the Father is personified in Scripture, right? God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. God called Abraham my friend. God, even as big and amazing and mysterious as God is, there's a certain sense of almost relatability. Jesus, of course, came in the flesh. We have his life story, his teaching. Again, this, this relatability. The Spirit, though, the Spirit is wind and fire and a dove and and the breeze and the still small voice and there's just this riot of imagery for the spirit who doesn't get personified in scripture the way god the father and jesus the son do and honestly the spirit is powerful right the spirit transforms us the spirit calls us to change the spirit is god's active transforming, reforming presence in our life. The Spirit blows where the Spirit will. And that's like, ooh, I, that's kind of scary. Like, what if the Spirit calls me to do something I don't want to do? Um, so we may, we may shy away from that a little bit, but I don't think we should. As this, as this question indicates very rightly so, the Spirit empowers and inspires, inspiritus, inspires us for ministry. And we really are called to be open to the work of the Holy Spirit, the healing and powerful and wonderful work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our families, in our church community, in our world. Because the Spirit is working to heal us and the whole creation. Okay. Anything come to mind? Well, if it does, send me an email. I'll do my best to answer your questions in the weeks ahead. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening. Each week's episode is edited by Nick Cox. Music performed by our St. John's Worship Band. Sermons by me, Pastor Jen Shaw. Make sure to subscribe to hear each week's message. If you'd like to know more about St. John's mission to know Christ and make Christ known, to share the life-giving word and do the life-giving work of Jesus, visit our website, stjohnslutheran.church. May God bless you on this day and in all the days ahead.